Hi, I'm K.S. Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with the multi-instrumentalist and producer behind the double album, The Ear Goggle Regales, The Ear Goggle Revels, accompanied by the comic book anthology, Ezra Gale. Welcome, Ezra. Hi, great to be here. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, I believe our uh, mutual friend, Patrick Lugo, connected us together, so thank you to Patrick for that. Right, but, uh, outside, I'm sorry? P. Lugo, or Plugo, I guess I, I would call him because that's his handle, so. <laughs> but um, outside my introduction, who is Ezra Gale in his own words? Oh, gosh, I think that says it. Multi-instrumentalist is right, songwriter, producer, just because uh, nobody else is going to produce me, so I have to do it myself, so I had to mm-hmm. learn how to do all that, and then, and and comic book nerd, and that's come out on this latest project, I guess. That's That's always been like, a hidden part of my of my personality but now it's out there for everybody to see no hiding it anymore <laughs> so how did this project come about um so like so i guess is the irrigado regales and rebels is that like um was there a theme to it that you wanted to do or it's like you made the double album and then you know you finally wanted to join your love for comic books together with it um it's kind of kind of Yes, to all that. Actually, <laughs> uh, I it it was it was sort of both of those things. I ended up writing a lot of songs, um, partly because this thing happened that you may remember in March of 2020. That, and I just like had a free schedule. I actually didn't. I have kids, so I didn't have more time. I actually had less time than I ever had before. But um, somehow, I, I had no gigs. I had no you know nothing to do all day basically. Um, no outlet for my creative energy. So I ended up writing a lot of songs and finishing a lot of songs that I had um, lying around just uh, just because I needed to keep working and do something mm-hmm. and ended up with this batch of songs that was originally gonna be two albums. Um, so kind of the, the Regales side and the Ravel side were originally gonna be two albums. Um, and then it just seemed like, wait, this is sort of like a bigger project and it's, like, why not make it, why not go for broke and make it, I've never done a double album before. So um, decided to do that. And then um, as far as joy, they're, but they're individual songs. It's not like a through, it's not, um, uh, it's not one story. They're all like separate sort of characters and songs and in themselves. Um, but then uh, sort of in that process and partly in thinking about, okay, how am I going to release this? How am I going to get people to notice it? You know, what am I going to do with all this this stuff? Um, I started kind of noticing that, like the, the the theme of the songs was really that there was a lot of characters, and there was a lot of stories in the songs, um, more so than other things I've done in the past. I just started feeling like, uh, you know, there's a one of the songs is about a lighthouse keeper, and another one is about a guy who shuts himself in his house and doesn't want to come out, and. Another one's about like a small time drug dealer who falls in love with one of his clients and like things that that I could see visually. And then I just started thinking like, uh, you know, okay, I've got to print the lyrics somehow because they're sort of important to what these are about. And then I was like, well, what if the lyrics are a comic book, you know? Um, and I had no idea how to go about doing that because I'm not an artist myself. Um, so that just began this whole project of kind of finding comic book artists and, um, and just you know individually kind of going through and looking at people's work and and uh, uh compiling it all into this book um so it kind of took over my life for a little while for sure uh-huh i love how 
I kind of think the same way as well, how it kind of like unraveled from just being the music to now, um, you know, you thinking how, okay, printing out the lyrics. Well, it doesn't have to be like it was um, with, with the CDs when you would get a booklet and it would have right. the lyrics in there. You can um, finally combine your two passions together, at least the two of them that you, um, that can go together, which is comic books mm. and the music and have them printed out like that. And then now you have to find a way, like how am I going to get the um, find collaborators with, you know, that will, I guess, make that could bring my vision to life versus um, what I did um, sonically with the music. So it mm -hmm. kind of like unraveled from one thing to the next. Yeah. You had this one idea and then it's like, oh, well, what if we take it a step further and step further yeah. and step further? So right. how was it? finding the collaborators for the comic book part yeah i mean it was interesting you're exactly right it, it is an idea that kind of just snowballed you know uh -huh. kind of, okay i got my songs now i should make an album put them out and then it's like then it became and that would have been fine but then it just sort of like grew and grew and like oh my god now it's this huge project um so i started i really like i said i had no idea what to do i have a high school friend named colin devonshire who is a comic book writer now he has this great zombie apocalypse series called By the Time I Get to Dallas. Uh, I reached out to him on Facebook and I was just like, dude, here's what I'm thinking. How do I find these people? Like, who are they? Where, you know, where do they, where do they hang out? You know? Um, yeah. And so he introduced me to a few uh, and looking at their portfolios and looking at their work. And I would just, you know, I was looking for um, anybody, you know, just work that I liked. Uh, I, I kind of was looking for not typical superhero comic book work mm -hmm. um, which I quickly discovered like the vast majority of comic book, ar book artists are that like typical kind of Marvel DC like you know bulging muscles on the guys and big cleavage on the girls and like you know tight outfits and uh -huh. th these songs are not about superheroes and they're just about people that you know um, I mean, I don't, people that I know don't, don't look like that, like superheroes. I don't know who you hang out with, but you know, <laughs> those aren't my friends. <laughs> so, um, so anytime I saw somebody with art that, that I thought was kind of distinctive and unique and a little different, I would kind of save their work in a file. And then at a certain point, I just started going back and contacting people and explaining the pro project to them. And, um, and, and that's, and, you know, and, and then through that process, uh, sometimes I would, I would kind of ask, hey, do you have any more recommendations for me? And everybody had, you know, oh, yeah, I, I work a lot with this guy. He's amazing. You got to check him out, you know. Um, and so that through that process, I ended up with, I think, uh, all in all, I think there's maybe 15, 14 or 15 different artists. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I mean, everybody had a really distinct and different style, which was definitely what I was going for. Because I wanted, it, because you know, the songs are different songs. I wanted it to be. I wanted the comic book to have more of an anthology feel, yeah. so that it's like a collection of different artists instead of one through, um, you know, one artist or one style all the way through the book. Uh, so I wanted it to kind of change radically, like with with each story that you're reading in the comic, because um, the songs are so different. Also, the the musical styles that I go through are kind of um, diverse. So. I wanted to have that look in the comic also so yeah when um i had read the comic first before i okay. listened to the music and it a lot of them did well i should say pretty much all of them did match with your lyrics and i can kind of 
hear them in my head as I was reading it, not like not musically, but more of like a spoken word type uh-huh. almost throughout. Um, and as I was reading some of them, I was like, oh, I can definitely hear this as music. So when I listened to the double album, I was like, okay, I knew that this song would, I would like this one, like um, uh, The Killer and, um, oh God, there was some other ones. I think it was, um, is it Breathe Earth, Earth and Stone? Oh, yeah, that one, The Garden I liked. Oh, great. Um, what was it? No, Smash. Oh, cool. Um, Tiny Island. I liked how that was kind of like a break in between. Like it was definitely right. a break in the comic and it was a break in the music. Right, right. right. I like that. Oh, great. Um, I don't know all the names. I just kind of listened to it multiple times. Oh, great. It feels like one of those albums that you have your favorites initially and then you come back to it later. And it's like, oh, I didn't even, I don't even remember this song. Now I like it the most out of all of it. That's how I felt when I listened to it. Well, that's all great to hear. I mean, it's so, it's so interesting to me also um, because part of my, part of my intention sort of with the art of the whole thing uh, by art, I mean, just the entire project, like uh, was that it could be experienced as a book, you know, without the music, or it could be experienced with the music without the book or together, you know, like, I kind of want it to work on each level and I don't know if it does but it's really great to hear that like you know you read the book first without the music and and that was cool and then you know the music brought another element to it that's sort of you know kind of kind of in the back of my mind through this whole project was this kind of I wanted to see what would happen if you just like mix these two things together mix visual art with music like how do you do that what does it mean you know mm-hmm. um, you know, like we know what what you what happens if you mix music and film, it's like a music video or you mix music and theater, it's a musical, but music and art, like what what is that? You know, like an art kind of, it's static. It just, it's, it's at one point in time, it sits on a wall or in a book. Like, how do you mix that with music? What does that mean? You know, so it, it kind of brings you as the listener or the viewer into the experience because you get to choose, you know, like you get to choose, do you, do you look at the art first? you know, without the music? Do you do them both at once? Do you just listen? And then, you know, do you think about them separately? Like, that's all valid. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But I think it's kind of fascinating to me that people are having these different experiences with it. Yeah. And also, like, the fact that there is no real theme is kind of based off of the characters themselves within that song. So it's like, it's almost like when, I don't know if you ever felt like this, but I definitely do all the time when I listen to music and then I imagine what the video was going to look, the music video is going to look like. So yeah, that's kind of, I guess, what the artists were thinking when they uh, read your lyrics in a way, because you kind of just let them have free reign over yeah. what to do as far as use their creative style to depict what they thought the song would look like visually. Right. And that was very much the point of, point of the whole project really was I wanted to send I just sent each artist the demo you know whatever state the song was in some of them were more finished than others when I sent it to them um and the lyrics and I was just like you know go for it and and some of them some of them would ask me quite like okay what what is this about and I would say okay well this is what I was thinking when I wrote the song you know but and and this is this is the story I have in my head but it's up to you you know you can do anything you like um some of them Require, wanted a little more direction than others I discovered like uh, um, the guy who did um, 
the, the first one I sent out was the garden, which is ended up being the first track. And this guy, mm -hmm. Luis Santa Marina, is this amazing Argentinian artist. Um, I sent him this song, which is kind of about this guy who it was kind of about me at the beginning of the pandemic, just not wanting to go outside and just like shutting my shutting my house. I didn't tell him a thing. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, I get back this comic that's just this incredible, like he's got this like hobbit, you know, mole person stuck in his little hobbit hole being invaded by these little people. And it was just, it's like beyond anything that I ever could have thought. But at the same time, it was completely right on with the the vibe, you know, like the character of what I was feeling when I wrote the song. Um, and a lot of them are, a lot of them are like that. Some of them more, some of them, they were just like, you know, a couple of the artists were kind of like, what's going on? And I would say, I would tell them, you know, uh, well, this is uh, one of them, um, leave no trace. I was like, well, this is kind of like a, it's like the, it's like a romance that's kind of like being in a really fast car and it's really dangerous, but it's also really awesome. You know, that's what I was thinking. And so the guy, you know, went on, on did that and drew a really fast car and a couple in it, um, which is fine. But other people, the, um, the woman who did for too long, um, Aida Silkoja, she's Finnish. Um, she was another one where I didn't say a word and just got back this like fantastical uh, comic with an owl flying away from a tree, which is abstract, but also kind of beautiful. And just, you know, it, to me, it fits, the, it fits the music also. So, so that, was, that was kind of cool. And, um, and I got, you know, I discovered through this whole process, because you were asking about meeting the artists and everything, finding them, um, that I think it was, pretty unusual for artists to be told that to be told like you know hey this is all up to you just just do your thing just be creative because I, I felt like bit everybody responded really well to that they were like really excited and I think that um uh, I think that normally comic book artists are kind of given a script you know and, and to be like you know panel one our hero stands on top of the building looking down at a, a mugger you know on the street panel two he flies through the air panel three he socks the mugger in the face you know stuff like that and where it's like very kind of constrained like you know it's up to you to draw it but this is what's supposed to happen um so to go from that to just being a, given a blank canvas basically i think was kind of exciting for a lot of people yeah from a I have, I've never done comics, but from a graphic designer's perspective, I need to know the details of what it is that you want me to do because um, we can't continue to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, especially if right. it's virtual now, whereas if we yeah, were meeting right. in an office, it'd be different, or if we had a team of people, it'd be different, yeah. but this is you giving them the demo and just letting them reign free, which is something that we're not really used to, again, yeah. Right. We so used to going back and forth with writers or whoever the patron may be. Mm -hmm. So it's that too, but maybe something completely different and that they've never really experienced before, at least not professionally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and that's also frightening. And I know, mm -hmm. I know what that's like. I mean, the experience of a blank page is, is just kind of, it's all, it's intimidating and it's, you know, in any art form, like if you're a writer or a musician or an artist, you know, to just be to just be told like, okay, do something, is much harder than to be told like, okay, you need to draw this guy in this outfit with you know uh, flying through the air towards this you know building. Like mm -hmm. that's much easier. That's like, you know, and I feel the same way writing songs. When I sit down and I have nothing, you know, and I'm going from zero, it's much harder than if um, sometimes I, I work with other people and it's like. 
or I do like a songwriting challenge and it's like, okay, write a song about the rain, you know, yesterday. And it's like, okay, here we go, you know. <laughs> Um, so I, so I get that there's a little bit of like fear about that. I have that too, but, um, but it was, it was, so it was definitely interesting to see how different people responded to that. Mm -hmm. So with this new experience that you have with combining your love of music and your love of comics together, um, do you have any advice that you can give to other creators that you wish someone would have told you when you first started? Um, it's a good question. I mean, I think the main thing was involve other people as much as you can i mean as far as like um you know like what i was talking about like finding other artists i really had no idea how to do that uh and I, if i had just um done that all on my own and googled people i don't think it would have worked at all i i think i you know i think contacting other people and, and explaining what you're doing and like hey do you have any ideas um, I kind of made a, a habit of that. Pretty much everybody I was talking to uh, through this process, I kind of, you know, at some point was like, hey, you got any recommendations for me? Do you know anybody who would be interested, you know, that you could recommend or would be interested in this? Or, you know, when it, when it um, came time to do the Kickstarter, which is a whole nother thing, I, I went on a whole, you know, anybody I knew who had anything to do with the Kickstarter, I kind of hit them up and was like, what can you tell me? You know, what, you know, what, what, what do you, what, that question, like, what do you wish you knew when you did this? You mm -hmm. know, um, it's just invaluable to get other people involved. I think um, that that's the main thing. I mean, especially since I was embarking on something, you know, comic book artist uh, that I, I had no experience with myself. So, mm -hmm. um, so I think that was, I think that was the main thing for sure. Uh, well, after everything, now that everything is done, um, can you think back, I guess, to when it all first started, how did you, I guess, keep it together, right? So like, you're doing the music, you're looking into doing a, a comic book anthology, you know, is this is March 2020 when the pandemic, it just hits pretty much right at the, pretty much the beginning of it, at least here in the States. And then your father, as you mentioned, so maintaining a household, taking care of your kids, taking care of yourself. So how have you been able to manage your I guess, mental well-being throughout all of this? Well, yeah, that's definitely the million dollar question. these days. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, on the face of it, it seems impossible because there's all these different things going on. But at the same time, I'm the type of person that um, I need deadlines to, in order to do anything. Um, I always, I've always been like that. Like if I have no deadline, I, I sit around until, you know, the last minute or whatever. Um, so, so I think in a perverse way, having these, this new constraint on my time, which was for me was that I was now in charge of childcare and homeschooling, like all the time, uh, and not having, um, a creative outlet, like the, the gigs, the shows that I was playing or whatever all disappeared. Um, I think that, perversely kind of helped me motivate to use the time that I did have, which um, for me was like after bedtime and I would stay up and working on stuff, you know, um, just because that was the only time I had, I would, I would be like, okay, I've got, you know, an hour and a half, two hours right now. I'm, I got to sit down and, and, and jam on this, you know, I got to do this. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, you know, I think in the past, if I had all day, I, I might not have been as productive. I mean, it's kind of funny how that works, but um and then the other thing is at a certain point I had a, um, I had a whiteboard, I had to like 
in fact, it's, I think it's right here. Oh yeah, there, I, I erased it now, it's, it's on. I'm on to the next, this is my next batch of songs, but like for a while that was like what I lived by. I had that on the wall and I was just like, okay, here's this song, here's this artist, this is what it needs. You know, this is what the recording needs. I need to get, you know, the drums on this. I need to get this one, I need to mix this one. I need, and then the art, I need this. And you know, this guy can't do the lettering. So I need to get this one and all that it helped me to see it visually. I mean, there's no way to keep that in my head really. Um, so that's a, that was another kind of just organizational thing. And plus the thing with the whiteboard is it's so satisfying when you like do something and then you wipe it off, you wipe it off or yeah. you put a check on next to it. It's just like, yes, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> so that was an extra motivator also, uh, you know, uh -huh. um, but I mean, I, you know, it's, it's been really interesting to me through this whole pandemic and now whatever stage we're in now, I don't know, um, just seeing kind of the art that has been created because we all went through this period of sort of isolation, like to varying degrees, but like, you know, pretty much everybody's normal life kind of stopped and changed. And it's been really interesting to see. I know, you know, a lot of my musician friends are, are putting out albums that they've been working on over the last couple of years that are probably very different than what they would have done normally, you know, like they're, maybe a lot of, uh, like you said, a lot of stuff is virtual. So there's been a lot of collaborating, you know, like, I'm, uh, like I did on this record, I sent, the, I sent the tracks that I had to some people who played their parts on them and then put them back. And, you know, in the past, maybe we would have like all been together in the same room. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's good and bad both ways. I mean, there's, there's definitely a, a benefit to having all the musicians in the same room, but at the same time, there was like a different kind of, um, focus and creativity I think that was uh that, that came out doing it this way um and then also collaborating with these I, I don't know if I would have had this idea to do the comic book really um I mean I don't know it's a good question but it, but I think part of it was spurred by the by just kind of like being isolated and feeling like okay I need I need something big to work on or I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my mind you know like I gotta focus on something, I got to put some of my creative energy into something and it's got to be like something that keeps me going for like a while. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So well, that, yeah. Um, sorry, go ahead. I'm cutting yeah. you off. No, I know. I, I, uh, I, I just, it's, it's something I think about a lot. Like what would this, what would this have looked like if, uh, you know, if there were no, no pandemic and, and um, every, I mean, my life would look very different. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know if this project would have, I definitely had the idea while we were all in lockdown and while we were kind of, you know, changing our daily routines and being isolated and all that. So I kind of feel like, you know, this is, this is probably not an idea I would have had normally. Yeah, normally, like you said, cause because of the pandemic, all the gigs and stuff dried up. So you probably would have uh, made the album, mixed it, and then, you know, did whatever you have to do. I don't know how people do music. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, did all that and then, you know, went on tour, did your gigs and just promoting it then. But, you know, with a lot of, what a lot of people have done um, during the height of the lockdown was that they went and explored these ideas that they've always had because now they have the time and right. I guess the creative space to finally explore their ideas they've always wanted to do or revisit something that they kind of had to put on the back burner because of, you know, life had happened. Yeah. So they had the time to, I guess, go back into it. So now that you had the time to kind of like sit with it, 
now these other ideas are coming to you whereas before you probably wouldn't even have even entertained it because life is moving right now whereas uh-huh, right in yeah. 2020 it wasn't life was not moving at all for a lot right. of people right it was so in in isolation so mm-hmm. yeah i think that's pretty much what happened with you and pretty much everybody else that <laughs> wanted to revisit or explore the creativity which they never had the space to do before right yeah absolutely i i, I totally agree with that and and i think that's one thing. I mean, on a, on a huge, we could talk forever about it on a huge like societal level, like there wow. are things that I hope we take as a society from this experience. I think there were good parts of it, not the parts about everybody getting sick and dying and all that, but like the parts about us sort of valuing our own um, time and our own family life maybe. And just like there are things that, that you kind of come to realize when you're, you're uh, more isolated than if you're in your day-to-day busy life. Um, but I know for me personally, I want to hold on to, um, I don't know if it's called ambition or just like this kind of desire to make projects be a little more interesting and kind of um, combine different things and not just put out an album of music. I like, um, I hope I hold on to that, I guess, as we get back to whatever normal is now, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, my last question for you, Ezra, is what is your idea of success? So I ask that because as creators, if we're not getting regular paychecks from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from our art, we're considered failures or we'll consider ourselves failures. Many of us will put our dreams and projects on the back burner or give them up altogether, as I mentioned before, because this career can be highly intimidating and competitive. So what is your idea of quote-unquote success? Well, I've always had a pretty basic oh I can't say always okay when I was you know in my 20s and I wanted to be a rock star and and I was in bands I went on tour and lived that life and that was great and fine and fun but it didn't I didn't get famous and that's fine now um and I didn't make a million dollars and that's also fine now um but uh I've really pretty much always had the idea that what I really want to do is make enough to sustain whatever my next project is. Um, and now that I'm a, uh, you know, now that I have a family and, and it, it's more of a deli- more of a balancing act for sure, because I can't just ignore uh, the need to pay rent and pay a mortgage and take care and send the kids to school and all that the way I could when I was in my twenties and I was renting a cheap room somewhere and, and uh, I just needed money for beer and whatever, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I think I, it, that calculation hasn't really changed for me. Like, I think that, um, that I want to find the time and the resources to to continue doing this. Um, why I can't really say. I like the artistic impulses. I don't know if something I can kind of explain. Uh, I think that anybody who's a creator of any sort, um, be that uh, you know music or art or writing or um, graphic design or or you know anything anything can be creative really there's just kind of a drive to do it it's just something that you um that i feel better when i do and more fulfilled um so i need to i know that i need to keep doing that and i'm constantly looking for ways to keep that going mm-hmm. um and and part of that fed into actually the idea for this this project initially was kind of like um I've thought for the last like many years, like you said, you don't know how musicians do it. Like it's the whole landscape has changed and gotten so interesting over the last few years, just because um, 
anybody can put an album out now. It's very easy. Like, you know, it used to be like you had to get signed to a record label and then you had to go through this whole thing. But now pretty much anybody, like we could record this conversation right now and put it on Bandcamp and call it an album and it, and it would be out. We could tell everybody, hey, we made it, we made an album. And it's like, great, but so what? Like why, there's so much of that, that like, why should you listen to that? So mm -hmm. I've always felt like, okay, you gotta do something to stand out. Like whether that's, um, you know, they're all songs about um, tugboats or something or like or you combine it with a comic book or you'd combine it with something else I feel like there's I'm, I'm constantly looking for like call it a gimmick or call it whatever but I'm constantly looking for a way to kind of make this stand out and um, and I use that as kind of creative inspiration sort of instead of instead of saying um I don't want to do all this extra stuff I just want to record my songs and put them out and that's it you know I know that some people feel like that but I kind of feel like okay what are the possibilities here like what can I do what can what could be interesting what's unique like what, what what's going to catch people's eye and it, that kind of inspires me to sort of look at other things and that was definitely part of this you know yeah it sounds like um instead of saying what could go wrong what could go right in a way yeah. some people say like like you said they don't want to be bothered with all this extra stuff. I think it's more of an insecurity than anything than it is in, in than it is being ambitious. How ambitious the project may be. So if someone looks at something like this. I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of you know uh, comic book creators who would love to add music and have there be another another element to their comic book, but it's very ambitious. So they think more right. of what could go wrong, or the extra money they have to spend, or the extra time they have to spend, the connections, this, that, and the third. So they yeah. don't even bother with it. But like I said, it's more of a what could go right versus what could go wrong type right. of situation. Yeah. And there's a risk in that. And I mean, and to get back to, to your original question, like to, for me, it's it's all part of me feeling like I just want to sustain this, you know, career, this kind of the next project. So I want to I want to make sure that motivates me to put more into this one to make it um, it, I, you know, my definition of success is not like selling a million copies of this. I know that's not going to happen, but I would like it to, you know, pay for itself ideally. And then so that I can like, and maybe a little bit extra so I can take that and put it into the next one. I, you know, if anything more happens, of course, that's great, but I, I don't really expect that anymore. And I kind of, I kind of, um, that's what I'm looking to do really is just kind of like sustain it moving forward. And, mm -hmm. and that ambition, you know, doing a project like if there's a comic book creator who's thought about combining it with music I say go for it because the other element that um that I discovered which was in doing a kickstarter uh was that when you have it seemed to me when you have a big project like this like something that really kind of stands out like it's not just a comic book it's not just an album that really catches people's eye you know and it really it makes it kind of an easier sell it's kind of like hey, you know, it's not like, hey, check out my album, you know, like, like join my Kickstarter for my album. It's like, okay, that might be cool. But, you, you know, when you say, hey, I got this album and it's a comic book, then people are like, oh, really? Huh, I haven't heard that before. You know, mm -hmm. that kind of, that was my experience. And so, so I think, you know, aiming big, it's definitely intimidating. It's a risk, but I think it pays off um, it, it just on, on that level of like getting people's attention, which is really something that's important, you know. Mm -hmm. um, well, is there anything else that you want to touch on about the Ear Goggle Regales, the Ear Goggle Revels as a whole that I've missed? Um, do you plan on doing any gigs anytime soon or touring? 
Yeah, I keep getting asked that. I at the moment, it's not really a band, um, except for me. I, in the past, I did have a I did have a crew um, in the city in in New York uh, that, and we played some gigs. This was three or four years ago now, so long before this material. Um, but since this album was done so remotely, and and um, you know, I played on most of the instruments on it um, with some guests. Uh, um, it's uh, it would be a it would be a big project. I would like to do it, but it's just kind of my focus has been on making this recording sound really amazing, and then doing this whole package with the comic book. So I haven't really put anything into that, but it is on the back burner right for now. I would like to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, at the moment, um, so I mean, my next project, which is kind of related to this one, actually, my, I, I kind of started working on these two things together and then just decided to um, to, to go for this, the, this double album first um, in terms of finishing it. But the other one is a rock opera which is, or concept album, and that's gonna be with a graphic novel, uh, meaning that it's gonna be the same artists all the way through, because uh, it's the same story. So that one, actually Patrick Lugo, our friend, is, is one of the artists on that, and then Olive Mitra, who did the uh, Breeze with the Earth and Stones in this book. The two of them are working on this book, um, which the music is almost pretty much done, the art is, you know, getting there. So I don't, I don't know when that's going to be, but, um, but that's kind of the next thing that I'm going to like pour myself into and, and turn my life upside down for uh, <laughs> is, do, is doing that. And it's kind of an extension of this. I kind of decided to do this one with all the different artists um, just because I don't know, it was more exciting to me to like dive into that and just start out by meeting all these different people and, and getting a, a whole bunch of collaborators involved. Um, and now this one, I think we want to focus on just doing like one story all the way through with the soundtrack. Um, so then that's, that's going to be the next thing. It's called Box of Tapes. And uh, that's going to be. Yeah, that sounds, um, that sounds amazing, actually, because from <laughs> what I've heard of Love So Far and then what I've seen of Love So Far and then a rock opera, graphic novel. So I'm already thinking of what it would look like visually and then you hear the music in the background. That'd be great. And um, I, I, kept, I know like vinyl was one of, I guess, the rewards for the Kickstarter. And yeah. I guess it's, it, it's still up like on the Bandcamp as merch. On the Bandcamp. Here, I brought, here. I brought, I brought props here. So we can, I, can, I can show you. See, here's the, here's, the, here's the double album. It folds out to these nice, beautiful, beautiful art. Oh, yeah. That's nice. uh, this one is Z Hunti, and this is Fiona Oakley. And then... That's this is Patrick on here, and then um, and then it comes, and then this is the book that I don't know if you got this or, but anyway, this is this one is Louis, and it's you know this is so this comes in in the thing, and it's a flip book, so this is record one, and then this is record two, so you yeah side, so um, so yeah, the vinyl, so and the vinyl is expensive, I mean it's expensive to do, takes forever because of the world the way the world is now and um mm -hmm. it basically makes no sense to press vinyl anymore and it's just something that i think is really cool and so i keep doing it and uh <laughs> and i'm gonna keep doing it so yeah i think a lot of people look at vinyls as like collectors i don't know it's the same thing with tapes the tapes are yeah. coming back right. um yeah i think the music would sound great 
on on vinyl i think they would be having that echo in the room i think and then i just kept thinking when i was listening to it i was like this would be great live that's what i was asking about if you're doing any gigs but i think you're on the west coast right i'm on no i'm in the east coast so we're oh you're on east that's even better a little bit north of the city um so yeah like i said i a tape and because i have a tape player in my car i don't have the aux thing so i really have i don't have a choice um and i think vinyl would sound great with that echo in the room so yeah i mean it always it sounds great digitally as well but i think it would sound a lot better like if you're in a room full of people and it's like muffled a little bit and it's kind of just (laughs) almost like that echo that you hear oh yeah i think that would be great yeah i think you're right you're inspiring me i gotta put a band together play this stuff a bunch of the musicians were I've been asking me, like a couple of the, my, the drummers that are on this are like, why don't we play in this live, man? Come on. So, yeah, I think it'll happen. The, you know, I think the world is just like starting to to get get in gear again and we'll get get back to that. So I'll put it together. And I love the way the the vinyl. I mean, I love records. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, I just it from a from a creator perspective. Sometimes it's, I wonder like, what am I doing? You know, like it, they're, they're just, they're very, very it's, a, it's quite an extensive project and everything everything involved with them. But, but it, the reward of it is just so cool that, and they sound great. I, I listen to records all the time, you know? So mm-hmm. this one, this one sounds great. I have to say, I, I didn't, I actually didn't sit down um, the way that it's sort of intended, like, you know, following along with the comic book until recently when my daughter, I have a nine-year-old daughter who, she had the comic book and she was like, let's listen to the, to the, to the songs, you know, and I said, okay. And we put them on and like, she was following along with the comic book and it, it was pretty cool. You know, even though I've heard the songs like a million times each, of course, cause I wrote them and I've been working on them for a year or whatever. Um, but it was, it was a pretty cool experience to kind of just put the record on and like sit there with the comic book. It was nice. Yeah, I mean, to sit there and then listen to it with your daughter, too, so that brings a whole new, yeah, I guess, yeah, perspective, sure. new experience with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just the part about, there's a couple that are a little bit not really for kids, so <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, let's, let's just, let's hurry through this one. <laughs> Don't ask me any questions about that, honey. <laughs> All right, well, again, I want to thank Ezra Gale for joining me here today to promote his double album, The Ear Goggle Regales, The Ear Goggle Revels, accompanied by the comic book anthology. I highly recommend our listeners to consider giving Ezra's music a listen, share, and or purchase the comic book as well if they can. All of Ezra's socials and website will be listed in this episode's details for those who are interested. Again, I am KS Garner, and you have been listening to the Solo Nerdbook Podcast. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. 